Hello, and welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I'm Nick. This is a Nick Flanagan Weekly show. I'm having a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I'm using a bicycle horn to, to prove to you that I'm having fun. How can a bicycle horn not be fun? When has it ever been a bad thing? Of course, not counting bicycle-related accidents where the horn does nothing to help. Today we have some things to talk about. Today the topic is music videos and what the first music video you ever saw was. At least the first one that you remember. Hi, this is a podcast. We like to have fun here. I'm Nick. I'm the host. And lately I've been doing this thing where I ask, I go to my Twitter and I ask people, uh, to, to give me answers for a question. And then I read your thoughts and answers on air. And then I talk about my responses, my experiences, my answers to these questions. Ah, but before we get into that, get into the topic, I'm uh, just going to tell you about what's going on. What is going on? Well, I had a nice little family dinner on Sunday. That was cool. Ate some homemade pizza. Ate some, uh, listened to the, the, my sister, I was at my sister's place, and she has the family record collection, and I was just looking through it, and remembering how much I liked it. It's all albums from like the 60s, 70s, some from the 80s even, and of course my collection. Like this, most of the stuff that excites me is the stuff that my, my parents had, but uh, I also have some albums in there, and it's just like not having them, and then seeing them again, it's kind of like seeing a long-lost son or daughter, a long-lost child of yours, and being like, wow, you did good, kids. You're still playable. I don't know if kids can still be playable. But that's how I feel about these records. They're still playable, even with scratches. Kids, you're still good. You're all scratched up. But you're still good. That's how I felt, looking at these wonderful albums. We listened to Dean Martin. It was Joni Mitchell's birthday, so we listened to some Joni Mitchell. Listened to some Miles Davis. And then today, it's been rainy all the time here in the big smoke, T-Dot, the six, Hogtown. And I was listening to this YouTube account that I listened to that posts 1980s and 90s dark goth Eastern European bands. And boy, did that feel good. If you want to hear it, maybe I'll post a link in the, uh, in the show notes. You'd probably like that knowing the miscreants, the wonderful miscreants who listen to this excellent award-winning podcast program, you'd want to hear this. So I will try to remember to put a link to something there that I like. Nothing better than gothy tunes on a rainy day. Am I right? If you think I'm right, email me at weeklypodcast at gmail.com. W-E-A-K-L-Y podcast at gmail.com. Also, my comedy journey... Returning to doing stand-up is slowly revving up. I've kind of decided that it's 2022 when I'm going to pull out the big guns, really figure things out, get things rolling. Right now, I'm just in a period where I want to feel stable. I'm very close to it. We are coming out of a very difficult time. And yes, it's still going to be tough, but we're in a different part of it. And that means... I need to 
readjust. So I did, for the first time in a long time, two shows within like three or four days of each other. And one of them was at Laugh Sabbath, show I'm used to doing. Had a great time. Yesterday, it was definitely comfortable people I was around. Ben Steger organized the show. He's a wonderful comic and guy. Definitely follow Ben on Twitter. Very funny on Twitter. He has a Tim Hortons tattoo, this guy, Ben Steger. Stagger? I never know how to pronounce people's names. But being back in the scene, I'm just realizing in my personal life, I have only been surrounded by people I basically tell everything to. But when I'm out and about at bars and shows talking to other comics, it's like, hold your cards close. You don't know what this near-stranger comedian, how they feel about whatever. All I've been thinking about for the last year beyond how to live and whatever, uh, Resident Evil games and my friends and family who I know, is what annoys me. So as soon as I talk to these comics, suddenly I'm talking about what annoys me in comedy. And then suddenly I'm talking and I'm like naming names. And then they're like, oh, I like that person. or I like that person's comedy. And then I'm like, great. I'm not prepared for a debate. I just got back into society and now I'm debating the worth of someone's comedy. So my only advice based on this is when you go back into the real world, uh, save your opinions for Twitter. That's all I'm saying. Hold your opinions back and tell only your nearest and dearest. I don't actually hate most comedians. I respect what they are doing. On oh, That's so... That's such a lie. I don't know if I respect... I don't know if I respect what comedy is anymore. Just by default. But... I respect the hustle. I don't know. My point is... Be careful what you're saying to people because even if they're great and nice, they might not be coming from the same place as you and suddenly you're telling them that you think their best friend has no right even breathing into a microphone, perhaps even breathing at all. And then they'll be mad at you and then your reputation in the scene goes down. And do you want your reputation in the scene to go down? I can't even believe there still is a scene. We all just took our lumps for a year and a half and suddenly everyone's back being like, I saw this on the street. I saw that on the street. I did this. I did that. It's like, wow, we're right back to normal here. That's messed up. But good for you. And to the youth, I'm glad you're getting back to normal. The older people, this crushed us. And now is your chance to step on our bones and jump up and down on them and Make us turn into dust and then take over. And to you I say, best of luck. I hate when you surprise yourself with what you laugh at. Hopefully you're laughing. Just I don't know what you'd be laughing at that I've been saying so far, but... I, Hopefully you're entertained by what's going on, but when there's something you don't really like and then you actually laugh, I've been listening, and thank God I'm almost finished. I'm at my second Hitler book, audiobook. I'm in the last hour of this, like, 30-hour Hitler book. The first one I read was about the rise. Now I'm in the fall. I'm sure I've talked about this. Interesting books. Hitler Ascent and Hitler Downfall.
and I'm in downfall. And at one point they were talking about Joseph Goebbels, the propaganda minister of the Reich. Apparently he was pretty witty at their dinners they would have. And uh, I laughed at one of the retorts that he gave. It was mean. He was a mean. He was like an insult comic. You know, no rules. He was like cringe comedy. And they, you know, list some thing he said at a dinner party to dress down a guy, a joke. And I laughed and I said, my God, just because I laugh at Goebbels does not mean I support him. And that felt like a metaphor for so many things in modern society. And look, if I've auditioned for something recently and you're listening to this podcast being like, should we go with Nick? And then you hear me say I laughed at Joseph Goebbels. Don't hold that against me, okay? This is satire. Satire, more like so tired. Am I right? It's almost 10 o'clock in the evening right now and I'm 62 years old. 64 maybe. Who knows? I can't count. Yubbles was a bad guy. And he also would do an annual radio address the evening of my birthday, April 19th, because it was the day before Hitler's birthday. So now every 8 p.m. on my birthday, I'll be like, everyone, stop. I'd just like to acknowledge that a monster used to go on the radio at this exact time. So let's take a moment out of my beautiful celebration of my 67th birthday and just acknowledge that Joseph Garbers was a bad guy. So, the topic I thought of for this episode was uh, music videos. I don't know why. It just seemed right. Uh, what about the memory we have when we first saw a music video? Most of my listeners, I'm assuming, are were not like 30 when music videos first started. You probably were at the most 10 you know, maybe 15. And I, so, you know, you weren't watching um, whatever. You know when they post music videos, you used to watch TV and they'd show a music video and it'd be like ABBA, you know, performing Dancing Queen at a concert and that would be like, have been used as a music video. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. But if that's, if someone had offered that, I would have accepted it. I just didn't think it would go there. And, I'll tell you what mine was. Uh, the first video I really remember loving was called Radio Gaga by Queen. It was from uh, their later album that I don't remember the name of. One of their much later albums. And uh, it was, I don't know, it might have even been when um, Freddie Mercury was starting to get sicker. I don't know. And... That song I just thought was so cool. I was close to a baby, so Gaga and Goo Goo. Radio Gaga. Radio Goo Goo. These were exciting things to me. There was a lot of shiny silver in the video. And there were clips from Metropolis, the ancient Fritz Lang silent movie with the cool robot and stuff and all that. Uh, wasn't surreal, like German future expressionist imagery. So awesome. And I'd never seen Metropolis, so I was like, what is this awesome clip? And then I think Queen maybe like had giant heads that were in like something like Mount Rushmore. 
So that was my first thing where I was like, music videos are awesome. Then I remember like Smooth Criminal, Beat It, like these were very exciting videos as well for me. And um, I mean, it was all radio. Radio Gaga is the first one I remember seeing. And everyone talks about, you know, Video Killed the Radio Star was the first video I think MTV showed um, by the Buggles. Buggles? Was that the name of that group that did Video Killed the Radio Star? And uh, I didn't see that video for quite a while. And the first time I heard the song, it was done by that the Mini Pops, which if I was a... I devoured Saturday morning cartoons. Devoured them. Yum, yum, yum. That was great. And uh, they would always advertise the Mini Pops albums back then, which were they got a bunch of kids. I think it was released by KTEL or one of these sort of disposable LP expert uh, record labels. And it was just these kids, you know, dressing up like how they used to dress kids up in the 70s and 80s, which nowadays would be viewed as very creepy. Like John Benet Ramsey is a good example of how like famous kids were made to dress in the 1980s, show business kids. And they would do like popular songs and sing them in a high-pitched, relatively unschooled manner. But not in that cute hipster way like the whatever those, you know, school chorus popular song albums that came out like 20 years ago where you know where they're singing like you know, Revolution by the Beatles, and it's, like, soulful. Nah, this is just, like, a mess. Like, you felt like the kids were had sticky hands, and they were, like, running around the studio, throwing things at each other and squealing. But I bought a Mini Pops album, and I heard Video Killed the Radio Star, and I was just like, well, this is a pretty catchy tune. Did they make this song? Then I found out it was a cover. And I was like 11, so I was like way behind the times on Video Killed the Radio Star. But I was right on time with Radio Gaga by Queen. And of course, Queen had many an amazing music video, and we must honor Queen, who are very cool. So I asked you guys what your favorite, not your favorite, what your early music video, earliest music video memory was. And Kelki... Pinkerton, nice person, whose Twitter handle is TwitPalace, writes, My cousin and I were allowed to stay up to watch the Thriller premiere. We were too young to watch the Thriller premiere. So that was something I missed. Like, I definitely saw Thriller, but it was probably in 1987 or so. And I feel like the Thriller premiere would have been 1985, which, yes, is too young for Thriller. You're a kid. I mean, when we're a kid, it's interesting, you know. Vincent Price was, I guess, camp horror in the 70s and 60s. But he was purely for kids to me when I was a young youngster. And that's because there was a show called Hilarious House of Frightenstein, which was this amazing, bizarre, live-action variety show aimed at kids, I guess, out of Hamilton, Ontario, that uh, those in the know know and love. And they hired Vincent Price for, like, one day to recite a bunch of gibberish spooky poems. And uh, so I always related him to, like, children's ghoulishness. Children's very safe ghoulishness. So 
But he's the least scary thing about Thriller. Michael Jackson's eyes. That's what's scary about Thriller. For me, a big memory, and this is long into me watching music videos, but was staying up um, and with bated breath for the black or white video, which aired at like 7.45 or 8 p.m. on Fox, maybe before In Living Color, I don't know. What is it, 1992, 1991? And I remember thinking how cool it was that Michael Jackson was beating the crap out of a car. I had no idea why. That was the first time I realized you could just do a part in the video where, like, anything goes if you were successful enough. Um, Matt Collins, shout out to Matt, said, Lick it up by Kiss. No joke. And I thought it was super gross. Yeah. (laughs) That was, again, not an early video I saw by Kiss. But I think it was a video I saw before I knew much about Kiss, so I never thought of them as having masks. Because if you know Lick It Up, it was the beginning of the this very brief no-makeup Kiss period. And I remember just being like, ew. I had the same response. How could you not have that response to the album and title Lick It Up? Shout out to Paul Stanley. We think you're cool. And shout out to the wonderful moment you should research on YouTube of Ace Frehley saying, hey, look, it's rock and roll. It's amazing. And then Wayne Thurston in Camp 133, he says, depends. Lots of jive performances by bands on various TV shows when I was growing up, as well as ones on early days of SNL. So Wayne's a bit older, um, but a video in a sense of performance edited with images, scenes would be Bohemian Rhapsody, which, yes, was a very early video I saw, but it still would have been like 1990. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody is mind-blowing. I mean, I guess that is a music video that must have been shown. I, like, it's, it's from... It says it's from Queen 2 here, but I... Oh, it's from A Night at the Opera, of course, which is 1975. So, I mean, that seems a little early for proper music videos, but it, it obviously is. And, uh, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody is, is major. I don't know if it has any context now because its its importance was hammered to me in Wayne's World by the world-famous car performance of Bohemian Rhapsody. If I didn't have that, I don't know what I'd think of Bohemian Rhapsody. It's such a strange song. I'm sure I'd love it, but yeah. Well, Wayne, you got to see a lot of cool stuff. You got to watch a lot of live performances on Saturday Night Live, and, and I think you meant... Oh, my God, it didn't say jive performances. It just had a piece of dirt on my computer covering up the L, kind of added a, a J part to it. So live, yeah, uh, I'm not talking about all of those lip-synced, uh, the kinks playing, you know, Girl, I Want to Be With You. Um, although, you know, Van Halen performing You Really Got Me is a pretty cool faux live or real live video. Damn Food Court, Hugsy Bodes. Shout out to Damn Food Court. Eat It by Weird Al. Yeah, Weird Al is a really good point. And it's very much what I think a lot of kids had growing up. At least I did. Uh, I probably saw the Eat It video earlier than the Beat It video. Um, And it was like Weird Al was training you to enjoy the actual song when he would do these parodies because they'd be so funny and you'd laugh so much. But a video like Eat It followed the uh, exact path that the original video did. So when you watch Beat It, you're like, wow, 
Weird Al did everything, but also this is awesome. So, yeah, Weird Al, huge early music video. Um, you know, very often one of the first music video people uh, that I would that people saw. I think one of the first music. God, I don't even edit this stuff where I don't say the words in order. And then I just try to re-say it as if I'm doing a new take. But I'm going to keep this in. One of the first people you see music videos from is Weird Al, or used to be Weird Al in the 1980s and 90s. David Deneen Porter. Shout out to David Deneen Porter. Very funny writer and comedian. If you know, you know. LeBron Dell's world. Worked on that dude's magic show. Um, Justin, can't remember his last name and uh, wrote on The Late Show with James Corden in its first year. And uh, David says, Karma Chameleon by Culture Club. Uh, that's awesome. I somehow missed a lot of... Boy George was like a legend to me when I was growing up. Like I got him as a punchline, which again kind of goes back to Eat It and how I was taking in a lot of culture in the 1980s was that it would be parodied and then I'd find out about it. I found, I, I found out about every um, movie plot or things years ahead of time by Mad Magazine parodies. So Boy George was like something people would talk about, but I didn't really see much. It wasn't banned in my household. I, just, I don't think my parents let me watch that much, uh, much music, which was our video channel. Um... And I recently watched a clip of Boy George on Donahue in the mid-1980s, right around Karma Chameleon, and he was so cool. And they showed not the video for Karma Chameleon, but for uh, some of the other tracks of theirs and um, really interesting music videos. And the Culture Club, I now understand, were just a great part of the 1980s. All the stuff I used to think was maybe like not my thing, Culture Club, Wham. I think it's awesome now. Uh, Jacob Rellinger. Oh, and follow David at Deneen Porter on Twitter. And you should listen to his uh, Dungeons & Dragons podcast, Party of Four. Jacob Rellinger, though, musician. Jacob Rellinger on Twitter says, Blondie, the tide is high. Pretty sure it was on CBC Switchback. Jacob, I don't know it. It's probably a great song. I'm not even sure what Switchback is. I probably should have researched this more. Switch, CBC was probably, Switchback was probably a cool show. Because around that time, you had Lori Brown had the Brave New Waves show. It's all kinds of good stuff happening on Canadian TV that was really interested in music. So, Although uh, Heart of Glass was an earlier... My parents had Eat to the Beat and Parallel Lines on vinyl. So, and, and they're very eye-catching um, covers. And I think I saw the Heart of Glass video early on in my video-watching years. Now, Michael Rancic, former guest on the show, there was no sound. We didn't start the fire. Yes, not one of my earliest, maybe one of my earlier music video memories, but that would have been 1989 or so, so I was nine years old. And uh, I remember that was like, that kind of set me up for getting into bad religion <laughs> because it had these super political lyrics. JFK, blown away. What more do I have to say? Well, you have to say the chorus, Billy Joel. Isn't he like ripping up, you know, like 
news papers or something in that video. Um, Jeff Hayward, Aerosmith Crazy. So Jeff's a little, little younger than me. I mean, I definitely remember the Aerosmith era of mega videos, um, but I was definitely 10, 11, 12 when those happened. And it was really interesting how the stage was. I feel like Meatloaf kind of set the stage for that kind of thing. Anything for Love, which is another music video, one of the earlier ones I remember. I Would Do Anything for Love was such a mega video. I hadn't seen anything like it outside of Michael Jackson videos, and it had a totally different style. And then Janie's Got a Gun was like the beginning of Aerosmith getting a little cinematic. Then they were doing these budget, like, like, you know, Living on the Edge, which was another early music video I remember seeing, Disgusting. And I talked about a line in that song in the last episode I did about annoying lyrics. And uh, crazy, though, Silverstone, Liv Tyler, forget about it. Hormones, through the roof. Anyway, Jeff, I'm sorry that was for a song you had to hear a lot. <laughs> crazy, crazy for you, baby. Stevie, a.k.a. Celery Fart. That's a, I don't know if that would be a, a good smell or, or not good smell, a, like a light smell or a heavy smell. Celery Fart. Mm. Bullet with Butterfly Wings on Much Music Countdown. Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Stevie, you're younger than me. Man, let me tell you, when I saw the Today video by Smashing Pumpkins, I was transfixed. Could not understand this collection of gods that the Smashing Pumpkins seemed like, why the person was dressed like an ice cream person, and just how wonderful this song was. And Bullet with Butterfly Wings was a little later, and it already gotten snobby, and I was like, meh. Now that song, let me tell you, or Zero comes on my mix, I'm listening to it. So the first, one of the first music videos you remember, kind of scary post-apocalyptic world is a vampire stuff. Has that affected your life, Stevie? Feel free to let me know. Well, I think I think that that's most of the answers I got from you. So thanks so much to all the different people who answered these questions. And I just thought it would be a fun thing to talk about. If anyone else remember, has any uh, memories of music video watching. And whenever something was sexy in a music video, wow, that was mind-blowing. Oh, you know what was one of the music videos I remember seeing really early on because I loved this soundtrack so much? And I actually saw it on tape today at the Salvation Army, and I almost picked it up. Uh, Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC. Um, it's Christmas time in Hollis, Queens. Oh, so good. Run DMC had that wonderful, speaking of Aerosmith, you know, they had that wonderful thing where their music videos had such a consistent feel. And they were kind of kid-friendly because they didn't really swear that much, at least in their singles. So, uh, yeah, Christmas in Hollis. If you haven't seen it, look it up. So if you haven't seen it, uh, Celery Fart, because I know you're a bit younger, go look up Christmas in Hollis. You'll have a great time. Um... Yeah. Well, you're not supposed to say, um, yeah, to end your podcast, but this is an unorthodox podcast. I am not an orthodox Jew. I'm just Nick. My mom's Jewish. Culturally pretty Jewish. Don't really practice that. It's not important. I'll be back soon. I have a fun interview coming up with uh, Nick Nemiroff, making his second appearance on the podcast. Can't wait to put that out for you. And, uh... I really hope you have a great day, night, 
journey, life, career, health, everything is good. You're going to do wonderfully today or tonight. You're going to watch the best television. I'm going to finish up The Wolf of Wall Street, my second watch of it. Maybe I'll. There's a few things I want to talk about. Um, I've seen a few more movies. Still playing through this Code Veronica video game. I'll talk about it later. Follow me, The Flans, on Twitter. Please follow me at, on, at The Flans. I keep losing followers. Seems like a conspiracy. And then uh, Nick Flan Weekly on Twitter. I'm on Kofi, ko-fi.com, slash Nick Flanagan if you want to throw me a dollar or two. Take care.